Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. Fly the W. Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley-Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season two. It's episode 83, and we are assessing the Cubs starting pitching. Don't forget to download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on the socials, Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, of course, on Facebook, or email us at flythew670 at gmail.com. Crowley, happy Sunday. How the heck are you? We got two games into the World Series. Two games into the World Series, one exciting game, one boring game. But, uh, hey, well, you know, it wasn't boring game. It really wasn't, you know, until the end. Um, so, you know, the postseason baseball has been fun. And, uh, like I said, just kind of kind of been watching and, and seeing what, you know, this is just a, a crazy World Series matchup. And, and I like I said, I figured it would go six. We'll see what happens, though. Yeah, we'll figure. We'll see what happens. I mean, I think uh, Arizona could easily be up two games, or Arizona could easily be up two games to none. The D-backs cutting back to Arizona, but we'll get we'll get into that in a few more minutes. How we got to where we are right now, but let's uh, let's start in this uh, first part of the podcast talking about the uh, starting pitching. You know, the last couple podcasts we reviewed the uh, infield, we reviewed the outfield on the last pod, and now we're at the starting pitching. Yeah, you know, when we were looking at all of those, we, you know, originally we were looking at WAR. It, it, it you know, it's a, st- it's a stat that measures players and their value in all regards. But when you talk about pitching, sometimes you look at some other numbers too, and that's what we kind of did here. Now, looking at WAR compared to the other thirty teams in MLB, when you're talking about starting pitching, the Cubs started starting pitching this year ranked twentieth out of thirty-two teams. Dustin. That's a drop compared to 2022 when they actually finished 12th out of 30 teams. Now, 11 different pitchers started for the Cubs in 2023, although out of those 11, two were used as openers. So they didn't use a lot of pitching, so to speak. Justin Steele pitched 30 games, Tyone 29, Stroman 25, Hendricks 24, Smiley 23, Wisniewski 11, Assad 10, Wick 7. Caleb Killian was a fill-in starter for one game. And then Michael Fulmer and Jose Quas started games, but as openers. And we'll talk about that momentarily. So, you know, when we walked out of uh, opening day, when it was opening day, the five starters that the Cubs had with Hendricks on the IL was uh, Stroman was the opening day starter, followed by Justin Steele, Jamison Tyone, Drew Smiley, and Hayden Wesniski. Um, but, but, for the sake of this podcast, we really focused on the five guys that started the most games so far this year. And Dustin, you know, there really was not, if you want to talk about one of the great stories of the Cubs season, it had to have been Justin Steele. Um, I remember, you know, when we started talking at the beginning of the year, we had um, Stuart McVicker on talking about, um, you know, he had an event with Justin Steele in April. And I remember saying, you know, boy, this is a pretty good priced event for a guy that could potentially be a Cy Young contender. And, you know, Steele got started his amazing run in the second half of 2022. And he kept that momentum in 2023, Dustin. He went 16 and five with a 306 ERA. He was the ace of the staff and he made his first all-star game this season. What a fun year for Justin. Yeah, he was clearly the ace, no doubt about that. It's also cool to have a have a left-handed ace. That's also really cool. Um, 
had a really great start, you know, kind of wore down a little bit towards the end, but that's understandable considering the fact that he had never done as much as he had done did, but uh, uh, looks like he walked off the field healthy and I'm sure he's already in his throwing program. So I expect uh, good things heading into the uh, 24 season. Yeah. And the thing about Justin Steele is that he was a hundred percent consistent and I know he's probably not going to win the Cy Young, no, um, but, he's, not but gonna, with, he's not going to win the Cy Young. No. When you look to. at his numbers, though, Dustin, he never really was bad for any month of the season nope. compared to Blake Snell, who is probably going to win the Cy Young, where Blake Snell started bad the first couple of months, but then absolutely rolled it after that. Um, Justin went 4-0 in April with two no decisions. He was 2-2 two and two with May with two no decisions. He was on the IL in June with that forearm strain like everybody else seemed to have. Um, but he went three and zero in the three games that he started. Two and one in four games starts in July with one no decision. In August he went four and zero with two no decisions, and September he went one and two with two no decisions. He was nine and two before the All Star game, Dustin, and seven and three post All Star game. So again, pretty consistent. His his uh, K's per nine innings was nine point one four. So he struck out on average, like I said, nine point one four batters per nine innings. His walks were one point eight seven, and his home run per nine innings was 0.73. So I mean, his numbers were great. It's just amazing to see what he can do with. I mean, he's mainly a two pitch pitcher, a fastball and a slider. Uh, but like you said, Dustin, you know, in September he had a couple starts, two starts that he gave up six runs. Um, he threw 173 innings compared to 119 in 2022. That's a big got, jump. That, that's yeah. a big, that's a big, that's a big, big jump. So, you know, I hope, you know, he's kind of just taking it easy this off season and ready to go. That's the one thing that does scare you is that when you are in a postseason run, you know what I mean? The only time I ever remember, remember Steven Strasburg, they shut him down when they're in the middle of a pennant run and they didn't make it. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't happen often. And, 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 you know, I mean, you can't just sit there and say, well, you know, we're going to usually, you know, Strasburg had his history of arm problems, but, uh, with steel, you know, you had to keep riding him. And so hopefully he, he is going to keep riding that momentum in 2024 and become one of the, uh, premier starters in the game. Right. He's definitely not somebody you have to worry about. I think we, uh, just want him to keep getting better each, each year. So no, no worries about him, no problems with him. I, I have all the confidence in the world of giving Justin Steele the ball on opening day next season. Right. Now the guy that took the opening day start this year, Marcus Stroman was in his second year of a three-year deal. Stroman had some injuries in 2022, but like a lot of the Cubs staff, he finished strong in the second half of 2022. In 2023, he went 10 and 9 with an ERA of 395. He also made the All Star team for the NL along with Justin Steele and Dansby Swanson, but like Dansby, he did not attend. For Stroh, it was like two completely different seasons. And remember, Dustin, he was throwing really well. He just didn't have a lot of run support. He went 2 and 2 in March and April with two no decisions, 3 and 2 in May with one no decision, 4 and 1 in June. But that loss was in that in June was in that St. Louis game in London where Trey Mancini made a big error and then he left with a blister. That game marked the turning point of the season for Stroh. In April, Dustin, he had an ERA of 276. May, he had an ERA of 287. June was his best month with an ERA of 217. But, you know, this is where things fall apart. I mean, people were talking about uh, Strowman starting the All-Star game. If there, people was talk, there, was, there was talk of that. 
was yeah, he, he was he was phenomenal in the first mm-hmm. half. He was. And we talked about whether or not we wanted him to do it because we wanted him to stay fresh, right? What's the right thing to do? Do you go out there? Do you tip the cap to the fans? Did you want him to start? You know, all that stuff was a thing. It was a real thing. And, and and the buzz was getting loud. Should the Cubs extend him, or should they have extended him in the in the off season? You know, because he was talking. You know, yeah, I'm gonna. I want to be here. Talk about opt outs and all this stuff. But July is when things fell apart. He went one and three with two no decisions, Dustin, and an ERA of nine point one one. He would then go on the IL on August second with right hip inflammation. He was about to come off, but then got a rib injury while he was kind of rehabbing. That lengthened his stay on the IL and finally came off on September 15th. He pitched two games out of the pen and had two more inefficient starts. He was 9-6 and six pre-All-Star game with a 296 ERA and 1-3 post-All-Star game with an ERA of 863. Uh, his strikeouts per nine innings was 7.84. His walks uh, per nine inning was 3.42. And his home runs per nine inning was 0.83. Like I said, it looked like he was going to go opt out of that final year of his contract. But now there's, I think there's a little doubt he'll be back in 2023. Um, that's 20 million dollars plus that you know he's going to command this year. And I like I said, I don't see him opting out. There's no way I would be shocked. I mean, Crowley, that one might be one of the biggest upsets if he if he does not come back. That that would blow me away. Absolutely blow me away. But then it's basically listen. He's going to be motivated, right? He he is going to be extra motivated on that one year deal. So I don't think it's the worst. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. Um, nope. so I can live with that. And, and he doesn't, ha- and the other good news Crowley is that he doesn't have to be the ace. He doesn't nope. have to be the ace of this staff for the Cubs to be good, but he needs to be there. He needs to show up. He needs to stay healthy, all those kinds of things, but he doesn't have to be the ace. Right. You know, and, 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 and he, you know, if you, if we can get that first half Stroman again, you'll take that, you know, as long as he can ride that, that was, that was a, like I said, just really, I think people forget how good he was that first half. Yeah. Maybe that's um, a thing. First half Stroman. Well, I'll tell you who didn't have a good first half was Jamison Tyone. He was the uh, he was the Cubs' big free agent pitching pickup this off last off season, signing a four year, sixty eight million dollar contract. Uh, unfortunately, he got off to an abysmal start. He finished the season with a record of eight and ten with a four eighty four ERA. But Dustin, he went zero two in April with one decision and a four fifty ERA. Not bad. He went 0-1 in May with four no decisions and a 10-90 ERA. He didn't win his first game until June, okay? He didn't win his first game until June. He went 2-3 and three in June with a 5-60 ERA. But like Stroman, Tyone Steezen turned around in July, but for JMO, it was the positive direction. He went 3-0 and with two no decisions and a 2-67 ERA in July, 2-3 and three with one no decision and a 5-23 ERA in August. And um, he went one and one with four with four no decisions in September with a 276 ERA. So pre All Star game, Dustin, he was three and six with a 615 ERA, and five and four post All Star game with an ERA of 370. Now his K per nines was 8.16, walks per nine 2.39, but his home runs per nine inning was 1.57. There's the stat. There's the stat, Crowley. That was the one that bit him. Yep, that was the worst of his career. Um, so the big hope for the Cub fans is that J-Mo is able to build on the second half and come out strong in 2024. I mean, obviously, there's no one more disappointed in that season than, than J-Mo himself, you know, and I've met him. Well, that's the key. That See, there you go. You nailed it. He, you could tell he wasn't being a jerk about it. 
he, he owned up to it. He knows, you know, what he did wrong. I believe in Tommy Hadovy. I believe Jamison Tyone wants to be the best version of himself. Let's just hope that it's uh, more like the second half and less like the first half. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, a lot of players struggle at Wrigley their first season. I can't quantify it. There's no data I can give you for it other than just to say it happens. Um, and it happened, I will, <laughs> right. It happened. And, and like I said, I'm hoping that he comes back a lot stronger this season. I know he's going to have something to prove. Um, someone who does have something to prove as well as drew smiley, like steel well, another guy, another guy, first half. Fantastic. Right. Right. You know, that exactly. You know, the, it was uh, smiley went 11 and 11 with a five ERA. And by the end of the season, he lost his place in the rotation. Dustin, he went two and one in April with two no decisions and a 3.21 ERA. I went to the game on April 21st when he was pitching a perfect game into the eighth inning, and uh, remember he collided with Jan Gomes on a little squibber that went yeah, in between yeah. the pitcher and the catcher. And oh my God! In May he went three and one with no decision, but June is where the problem started. He went two and three, but his ERA jumped from 3.09 in May to 5.81 in June. July was even worse. He went one and two with no decision with uh, two no decisions and a 6.65 ERA. So the ERA just keeps going up and up. And then in August, the Cubs tried to fix them twice. They used a starter for two of the games that he would have started. Uh, that's where you had Quas, and that's where you had um, I can't forget who the other one was, but you had two openers kind of go in there, and it just didn't help. And so now all of a sudden, he gives after giving up seven runs to the Tigers. On August 22nd, he lost his role and he would pitch out of the bullpen for the rest of the season. He went seven and six pre All Star game with a 421 in ERA and four, four and five post All Star game with an ERA of 652. His K's per nine inning 8.92, his walks per nine 3.54, and his home runs per nine inning was 1.64. Dustin, the question we really got to ask with Smiley do you think he'll have an opportunity? to be a starter or do you think the Cubs are just going to say right away, Hey, you know what? We just want you out of the pen. I believe it's a guy out of the pen, but the good news with him is he can do both. Right. And he's willing to do both. Um, I think he's only your top five to start the season. If something goes terribly wrong in spring training, somebody gets hurt. Right. Right. Yeah. He's a, he's, he's a guy that you can easily put in there. He has the experience I just, you know, I wonder what the plans are for him going forward. What's um, his contract another, situation right now, Crowley? I forget. You know, that's going to be, yet? yeah, he's going to be with, I believe it's a player's option for him. So he's definitely, it's his choice. My guess is yeah. um, he's going to want to be, you know, exercise that and be back with the Cubs for one more year. Yeah, it makes um, sense. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I'm taking a look at his contract right now. And it is, he's signed for next year. So it's a $10 million salary and then it's a mutual option. Both have to agree in 2025 for another 10 million. Oh, geez. Wow. Okay. So one more year for sure. I, I knew he had one more year for sure. And then next, the following 2025, it's mutual. So both have to agree on it. But, you know, speaking of contract situations, Kyle Hendricks is another guy that he wasn't on the opening day rotation for the first time since probably what, 2014, 20, yeah, 2014, 2015. Yeah. Long time. I mean, if you think about it, almost a decade. Uh, he was recovering from a right shoulder strain that ended his season on July 6, 2022. He went six and eight with a 374 ERA. He returned to the Cubs on May 25th, and in his fourth start, he nearly threw a no hitter 
going eight innings and giving up only one hit to the Giants. Hendo went three and two in June with the 251 ERA. In July, one and two with three no decisions and a 404 ERA. And in August, one and two with three no decisions and a 409 ERA. Went one and one with three no decisions in ERA with a 439 ERA. But when you look at it, Dustin, the amount of no decisions that he had, he kept you in games. Yep. That yep. was that was the key there. And when you take a look at his home runs per nine innings, he only gave up 0.85, which was the best since 2016. So the Cubs hold the player option for 2024. And we've heard various things. We heard that for sure the you know, it sounded like with Jed and Tom, they were talking about picking up that option. We also heard the rumor with uh, you know, about him possibly getting an extension for two years. And if you did that, you know, at a lower AAV. So, and you know, that that might work for the Cubs and for Hendricks, we'll see what happens, but you know, more than anything. And I, and I think every, you know, you need depth and, and that's, it's just the thing about Hendricks that's interesting is you also do have a lot of young players that are bubbling up and, you know, there's not a lot of spots as far as rotation spots as, you know, see what happens, but I'm, I'm very curious to, to see how this goes with Hendo. Right. And I think that obviously this is something that they're working on. That's going to be, that's going to be team friendly, right? That that's what's going on here. He doesn't want to leave. They want him to stick around. And again, those kind of numbers for your fourth or fifth guy, you, you, you'd be fine with that, that that's good. And his experience to help the, some of the young guys, because there are going to be a lot of young guys that we're going to talk about next that could definitely learn from him. And I think he's the type of guy that has no problem sharing his knowledge. Right. Now, three other pitchers that we need to talk about. Hayden Wesniski made a certain amount of, uh, he was phenomenal when he came up in September of 2022 in spring training. I watched him. He was phenomenal. He won the fifth starter spot, but he struggled and he eventually lost his spot in the rotation. He started 11 games, five in April, three in May and two in June. He would make one more start the rest of the season, but I don't know. Something was off. The slider wasn't sliding like it normally did. And, you know, hopefully Pitchers are going to have ups and downs. I think people forget that Greg Maddox was not an all-star Hall of Famer when he first his first couple of years. He had his struggles as well. That's going to happen. Hopefully he can turn it around. One guy, Dustin, that impressed both of us was Javier Assad. Yeah. He really turned the heads in the WBC. Struggled a little bit in the bullpen to start the season. Spent April and May going back and forth between Iowa. But after May 24th, he stayed with the team the rest of the year. And when Stroman went on the IL, it was Asad who stepped up and took his spot. He started five games in August and was 2-0 and with a 2.48 ERA and made four starts in September and was 1-0 and with three no decisions. Keeping the team in it, just, you know, the offense kind of let him down a few times. But Asad was, you know, when you talk about swingmen, as far as Smiley is concerned, uh, you know, Drew, I think that Javier Assad is just would just be a great swingman, and and I was really impressed with everything he did this year. Yeah, he did a lot of good stuff. We saw him in the World Baseball Classic, right? We both got really excited. Uh, it didn't follow immediately, but then it looked uh, in the second half of the season like he had uh, figured some things out. Obviously, he's not a selfish guy. He's willing to start. He's willing to come out of the bullpen, whatever they needed him to do. So you got to like that ability to do those kinds of things. Right. So Jordan Wicks was called up on August 26th, the Cubs 2021 first round pick. He made six starts and went three and one with two, no decisions. And so Dustin, that, you know, that leaves us with this rotation that we're looking at that I think for sure you can write down three names and that's Justin Steele, Marcus Stroman and uh, Jamison Tyone. It's those other two spots that become interesting. And the, you know, 
if the Cubs are going to take the next step and, and you see it so much in this postseason, it's pitching. That's what, that's what, that's what matters. It's the regular season is so different from the postseason. in the postseason, you can really go with just three starters, you know, and then kind of mix and match a postseason. But those three starters, Dustin, they need to be studs. And, you know, I'm, I'm very curious if the Cubs are going to go for a front end starter as far as on their wish list. And we'll talk about that when the, you know, when the postseason's over and looking well, we at what's official, available. And all yeah, that we have stuff. official who's available. Yep. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's, that's interesting. Like, do you, do you, do you go out and buy that top end guy? And is, is that top end guy even available? Right. Cause for me, I don't know if the Cubs to me truly, truly have a number one, like a bonafide, no questions asked. Number one, could you make the argument for steel? hundred percent. Absolutely. Um, but let's remember that this was one phenomenal season. Okay. Right. Yep. He's going to have to come back and prove that that wasn't a fluke. Um, and I believe that he will do that, but either way you need two reliable aces. And I think right now, I don't know if the Cubs have that. So let's say you do get a front end starter, right? Then you have, you have that, that would be the free agent starter. You'd have steel. That's four. So now you have one spot left, okay? And so, you know, you got Kyle Hendricks, you have, and, and you're going to want to give these young guys an opportunity, Dustin. We have a lot of pitchers. We talked about Wicks. We talked about Assad. We talked about Wisniewski. Don't forget Caleb Killian. Ben Brown got a little bit injured at the end of the year and wasn't able to go. There's a lot of guys that are really bubbling up. And the question, and, and when I look back at Kyle Hendricks, I understand it's team friendly. I understand what he brings to the table. There's no one that would love Kyle to come back more than me. I'm staring at his picture right now in my man cave. <laughs> sounds weird, but I got a wall of World Series yeah. pictures up. Yeah. Um, but I just wonder if that's something they could do. If, if they don't get that front-end starter, then absolutely I see Kyle Hendricks coming back. If they do not get a front-end starter, then I don't know if that if it's going to be as easy as we think it is to bring Kyle back. Yeah, it's good. You know, these are good. These are good problems, though, right? These are good <laughs> problems for the Cubs to have. You know, they always say you can't have enough good pitching, and the Cubs have a lot of good pitching. And I agree with you; they might not have great, but they do have a lot of good. And financially, Crowley, if the right guy is available, they have the opportunity to get great if that person is out there. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season two. It's episode number 83. We are assessing the Cubs starting pitching. Of course, we want you to download the podcast. We want you to listen. We want you to review. Subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Check us out on all our socials. All right, Carly, let's get into a little uh, news on the field and off the field for the Cubs and the MLB overall. Yeah, you know, more and more buzz. The Cubs are among probably 29 other teams that are interested in Japanese left-hander mm-hmm. Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Um, nice job with that, by the way. That was good. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you are you are really, truly, there's a lot of teams that have been scouting him. The Yankees are up there. The Mets are up there. Like I said, there, there's nobody in baseball that doesn't want this kid. Uh, according to our buddy Patrick Mooney, Jed Hoyer was on a scouting trip to see uh, Yamamoto. He's a lefty with phenomenal numbers in Japan. He is only Dustin 25 and he has won what the Japanese call the quadruple crown leading the league in wins, winning percentage, ERA and strikeouts for the last three seasons. He has won um, two of what would be our equivalent of the Cy Young award, the best pitcher, um, you know, and so 
boy, you saw what happened um, as far as with the Mets and getting uh, Forkballer in there to, you know, really, really kind of – he. I think when, when you saw the way that the Mets handled it, I think that that was a real good blueprint because they don't throw – as many games in Japan as they do in the United States. Right. So the right. way that the Mets handled Kodai Senga was using him almost as a six, um, every sixth day starter, right? It wasn't like officially that, but they definitely gave him a lot more rest than they would a normal uh, ball, uh, normal starter that was, you know, played his whole career in MLB. And so I think that gives you a, a blueprint and, and Yamamoto, like I said, he, he is absolutely impressive Again, remember Seiya Suzuki was trying to recruit, you know, uh, Shohei Otani to the Cubs? Well, maybe he can do the same with Yamamoto. And the other thing, Dustin, his locker mate in Japan, Frank Schwindel. Hmm. Now that's interesting. There's a little twist. And you know Frank, uh, you know, really liked, uh, really liked his time here. Yeah. Can you imagine if Frank the Tank is responsible for uh, helping the Cubs land that? That would be worth something. Yeah, you get a little extra bar tab over at any of the establishments. Yep. Mm -hmm. Now, as usual, Dustin, I, I'm sitting there driving in my car on Saturday, and what do I, I'm, you know, right away on 670, the score inside the clubhouse uh, with Bruce Levine, and I think Mike Esposito was with him again. Best spell this week, yep. Yep. And so, you know, the one thing that he mentioned, and and this hasn't, this has been kind of bubbling up since the end of the the season is, and we've talked about it. The Padres are trying to shed salary. One salary that they are looking to shred is Juan Soto. And you think about that deal and they gave up a lot to get Soto from the nationals. And it just, I don't know what's not working out there. I don't know clubhouse stuff. I don't know any of that stuff. It's, it's been kind of a crazy situation to have all those stars, but sometimes if the chemistry is not right, Dustin, um, you know, it just doesn't work out. And so the Cubs name have been kicked around. Now, the one thing that Bruce mentioned that really kind of turned my head a little bit, you know, uh, while I was driving is that he said that the Padres are high on Christopher Morrell. Okay. So the Pirates need to shed salary and Soto is expected. He's still arbitration eligible. Next year, he'll be a free agent. Soto's expected to make $23 million for next season. Hypothetically, if the Cubs were to trade Christopher Morrell, and I doubt it would be a one-on-one -on -one trade, but let's say it was, I'm just saying that, right? That would be a $22 million savings for the Padres. Yeah. Okay. Morrell's under team control until through 2028. He isn't arbitration eligible until 2026. So when you think about Morrell and what he can bring to the team, and again, similar, I think to, you know, what he was with the Cubs, able to fill in a lot of gaps, everything, you know, and I, when I look around the diamond is where he would fit in San Diego. I'm not sure they got their third baseman, second baseman, shortstop. You know, I, I assume he'd play maybe some outfield. Right. I don't know. That's not, you know, but if he went there, that's not our problem then anymore. Right. 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 I, so, it, it sounds like a salary thing, Crawley. It sounds like a salary dump. That's what it sounds like. And it's so, not, it's not a secret. So teams aren't going to be giving up everything because you're taking on all that salary. Correct. And so again, if you're going with just Christopher Morrell for Soto, you know, that would just be a salary swap and the Cubs would eat the salary. Now, if the Cubs wanted the Padres to take some salary, they, they kind of would, you know, add some prospects. 
I don't know, Dustin, but, and I don't know how likely it is that a morale for Soto swap. Uh, I mean, if they offer that, I would take it in a heartbeat. I mean, you uh, had without to, a, right? without, well, you'd have to, without a doubt. And we all like Christopher Morel, but there's a big difference between Christopher Morel and Juan Soto. And, and the question I have for you, Dustin, here is we were kind of talking about this on the last podcast. I don't know why it just popped into my head is what about the possibility? Because again, it left and right, you got Ian Hap, you got uh, Saya, and both of those guys are here for, I think what saya has got three years and I think Hap's got two years, but they right. both have no trade clauses. So those guys aren't going anywhere um, unless they waive their no trade clause, which I don't see that happening with either player. Uh, but where would you play Soto? Would, would you kind of have, say, Hap and Soto switching off left field DH? I think that makes the most sense, right? That's first blush. That makes that makes all the sense in the world. Yes. Now let, let me ask you this as well. Now, or you, or, Hap, you, or you, or you, or you trade Ian Hap, right? I mean, again, no trade clause. If he would, he, if he would accept that, right? But I would sit there and I was just I, thinking he might if he knows that he's not going to play as much, right? Right. And 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 you know, I just keep kicking around this idea. What if Dustin Ian Hap? He, he remember he came up as an infielder. He yep. came up as a yep. second baseman. And then they had him play center before moving him to left. Okay. Could he play first base, Dustin? I was just about to say that. Yep. It's a good idea. I, I think mean, he could. I think he could. He's a good enough athlete. You know, you don't need the strongest arm. He, you yep. know, you, you, you know, I mean, obviously I'm sure he's a good enough athlete to make catches if he's able to do it at second. I mean, I don't see why he wouldn't be able to do it to first. I wonder if you could literally solve that problem and put Ian Happ at first. And that would end the first base problem. And then, you know, you it just, boy, you could you could have Ian Happ leading off. You know, you you could, there's, there's so much you could do. Obviously, I think if you get Soto, you're not getting Bellinger. But I think, Dustin, you and I and every Cup fan is agreement that you really got to land one of those two, whether it's Bellinger and whether it's Soto, and then try to figure it out from there. Yep, totally agree. I don't think anybody would disagree with that idea at all. So hopefully the Cubs will do what we're uh, – what we're hoping they would do. And Crawley, I know that there is some uh, sad news for Cubs fans. Uh, I saw this on social media. You and I exchanged a text. Uh, tell us about uh, Dorothy. Dorothy Farrell um, is probably, I would, um, I would say probably one of the greatest Cub fans you could ever meet. Um, even if you didn't know her, you've seen her um, all throughout the 80s. Uh, Harry Carey, Arnie Harris, they would always focus the cameras on her for two different things. Number one, seventh inning stretch, and number two, YMCA. She loved the YMCA. When they would take the opposing pitchers out, it's been tradition, YMCA comes up, and there was no one that would do the YMCA better better than her. And um, so her seats were in the vi- right behind the visitors' dugout on the verse- first base side. And she really got attention when the Cubs – made it in 2016 in the NLCS and in the World Series. And Ken Rosenthal did an interview with her. And, you know, she was at Kerry Wood's 20K game. She was literally at every game that, you know, that you could ever imagine. Always smiling, always laughing. And and she was just a phenomenal Cub fan. Um, She did a – if you go on YouTube, on WGN, Pat Tomasulo did a hilarious interview with her when he was – her her shot of choice was Jaeger. and. Lord Almighty, Dustin, I did. I don't even know how many Jaeger shots I've done with Dorothy in my lifetime. Um, 
but she even at 90 could drink the best of us under the table. She was somebody back in, in the heyday. Um, this was a pre club 400 iteration is called the wild bunch. And, and, and she was part of that and they would go to the different stadiums and hang out with the players at the hotels and, and party with them. And she was just absolutely legendary. And she, she made you laugh. I have a picture up here of her giving me a kiss on the cheek and, and, um, you know, it was when Pat Tomasulo interviewed her, you know, he asked about her favorite players and she said, Mark Grace. And, uh, she said, Grace had a nice butt. Um, and that was Dorothy, <laughs> man. There was, there was, there was absolutely no filter. Um, she was, she was a hilarious lady that would just did that love baseball, love the Cubs. Um, and I have a picture up here. If you're subscribed to the 670, the score YouTube channel, Someone took a picture of her. It's a Getty picture, um, and on it, she it, it, she had one of those shirts that just said "Just one till before I die," and and it looks like she's just looking in, in, into the great beyond. And so, um, the last time I hung out with Dorothy was for her ninety fourth birthday three years ago, and COVID had just started. It was all sorts of craziness, and she at that point had to be in assisted living, unfortunately. But we had a car parade and all drove by and honked. And we we had some cakes. It was socially distanced. Everyone was wearing masks. So please don't get mad at me or anything like that. But um uh she uh you know, we played YMCA for her, Go Cubs Go. We played all her favorite songs, and the memory wasn't that good at this time. But God, when that YMCA came, she sure knew how to dance. And uh and they actually called the cops on us. So think oh, about geez. being being 94 years old and having the cops, cops called, to your, called party. your 94 94th <laughs> birthday party. Well, based on what you said, Crawley, it sounds like that she would have uh, really appreciated that. Uh, and again, I do remember seeing her on television. I remember plenty of uh, women in my life saying that uh, that's what they wanted to do in their retirement to go to all the Cubs games uh, like she was able to do. So uh, pretty, pretty. Uh, Pretty cool, pretty special, and uh, obviously somebody that you uh, knew and enjoyed being around very much. I do. I, I, I loved her a ton. Um, I'm going to miss her. I'm just got, glad that uh, she was able to have a very full life and, and got to see her Cubbies win in 2016, and, and she will be missed. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It is season two. It's episode 83. We are assessing the Cubs starting pitching in Crowley. Now it is time to assess the World Series because the Fall Classic is underway. We've got two games in the books. Oh, and and what what what, what an interesting start to this, right? Game one starts out with a bang. The artist, her, sang the beautiful national anthem. George W. Bush threw the first pitch to Rangers legend Ivan Pudge Rodriguez. Dustin, it wasn't as good as when he did it in 2001 when he threw a strike. No. He bounced this one. But, yeah. hey, he's a little bit older, so we'll give him a break. You had a great pitching matchup, Zach Gallen taking on Nate Evaldi, but it wasn't the pitcher's duel that we thought we would get in that. Uh, in the bottom of the first, Evan Carter hit an RBI double, and Adolis Garcia followed that up with an RBI single, and the Ragers jumped out to a 2-0 lead. Dustin, we've been calling them the D-backs, but people are now calling Arizona the comebacks. Um, down to nothing with a two on, uh, down to nothing. They had two on and two out rookie sensation. Corbin Carroll tripled. I have no idea why Leodis Tavares was playing so shallow. I mean, I, I mean, I know he's, you know, Carroll's not the biggest bopper, but geez, if that ball gets past you, I mean, he's gone to the races. 
you know, so the game's tied. Then Kettle Marte hits one to the first baseman, Nathaniel Lowe. He throws a bullet home. You think there's no way Carroll can beat this? No, I thought I'm like, what is this? What is he doing? But right. the guy is just so fast. He is safe. Arizona takes a three to two lead. I'm going to keep saying that I hope PCA turns into our version of Corbin Carroll because that right. is fun. Poor to man's, watch. Uh, you know, maybe a poor man's Corbin Carroll, but uh, <laughs> at least uh, you know Corbin Carroll light. Ah, uh, just unbelievable, you know. Um, you know, there. after Gallon struck out the first two Rangers, he gave up a walk, a double, and another walk to low the bases. Then he walked Mitch Garver, the third walk in the inning, to tie the game at three. That tie didn't last long as Tommy Pham homered to lead off the fourth to put the Snakes up four to three. And in the fifth, Kettle Marte hit an RBI double to make it five to three. That score, Dustin, would stick until the bottom of the ninth inning when Diamondback closer Paul Sewald. Gave up a leadoff walk to Leody Tavares. Marcus Simeon is still struggling mightily. He'd struck out. But then Corey Seager would hit a monster two-run blast to tie it. Dustin, he was screaming as he hit that ball. I mean, unbelievable. Ninth yeah, he, inning. He, he absolutely crushed it. I mean, just crushed the ball. It was a wild night of sports Friday night. Unbelievable. You got a tie game, Dustin. So no Manfred man in the postseason and in the bottom of the 11th, who else? ALCS MVP Adolis Garcia hits a walk-off home run as the Rangers took game one, stunning, stunning the D-backs six to five. Dustin, that home run was the 17th walk-off home run in the World Series. The first since Max Muncy did it in 2018. He is the fourth player or all this Garcia, Adolis Garcia, the fourth player with a walk-off home run in a World Series game one, talking World Series game one, fourth player. Yeah. He is the first to do it in a game one since when? Do you remember, Dustin? The last person to hit a walk-off home run in a game one of a World Series. Ooh. Hmm. And I I'll give like you the decade. I, I, I'll, give you like decade. I'll give you a decade. I'll give you a decade. I should know it. The 80s. No, I don't know. Kirk Gibson off oh, that was, that was that was that was that's that was game one, huh? Game one. Absolutely. Yeah. When a hobbled Kirk Gibson limped to home plate and former Cub and Hall of Famer uh, Dennis Eckersley gave one up. And then that call by Vince Scully is still one of the all time greats. Um, Dustin Garcia has homered in five straight postseason games behind right. only <laughs> Daniel Murphy, who did so in six straight postseason games. <laughs> Uh, Daniel Murphy did it in 2015. So I got all these stats here from Sarah Lang, who's just a great follow. If you follow her on Twitter, she's just so smart and has great stats, but Dustin, do you know what team Murphy hit four of those six home runs in his six consecutive post game Homer streak four of six against who? Oh, against you. Oh God. Mm. No, the Cubs in 2015. Ugh. If you yuck. remember Daniel Murphy. I do remember it. Yeah, I mean, I do remember that, but yuck. They, now, they, the, they, why they just bring that up, Crawley? <laughs> they, 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 the Mets swept the Cubs in four, yeah. and he had two consecutive games with postseason home runs coming into the NLCS, and then he hit one in each of the games against the Cubs. The last one against Fernando Rodney in game four. I was there at that game. You remember Fernando Rodney with the bow and arrow and all oh, that yeah. fun stuff. Yep. So. Mm -hmm. 
After a devastating defeat in game one, Dustin, how would the D-backs bounce back anyway after that heartbreak? Well, they did it. Um, they trounced the Rangers 9-1 to in game two. Adrian Beltre threw out the first pitch to, tech, to Fergie Jenkins, who Pretty played cool. with the Rangers as well. But, Dustin, was that weird to you? I, I, why wouldn't you have Fergie throw it to Adrian? Um, maybe Fergie didn't think he wanted to be it. I mean, Adrian's the bigger Ranger star, right? right. So that, that's probably <laughs> why to answer your question. Um, but I'm glad Fergie at least got the recognition. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, you know, I think about Fergie and all the games he's gotten to throw him first pitches, whether you're talking about the Cubs postseason, the Rangers postseason, the field of dreams game, he's had some really cool ones. Um, you had Arizona's Merrill Kelly taking on the Rangers, uh, Jordan Montgomery. The first score of the game came on a Gabriel Moreno solo home run in the fourth, and Lourdes Goriel had an RBI single in the bottom to put the Diamonds out in front, two to nothing. Texas scored a run in the bottom of the fifth with a Mitch Garver home run to make it two to one. And so you got a close ball game, right? Two to one. Jordan Montgomery still pitching in the seventh with the runner at second and no outs. Ava Longoria hits an RBI single. Dustin, that was his first World Series RBI single since 2008. Isn't that crazy? How long, that's so crazy how long he's been around. 2008 was the last time he made the World Series, and now here we are in 2023. Uh, after that uh, RBI single by Montgomery uh, or by uh, Longoria, Montgomery's night was done. Andrew Heaney came in, and with two outs, Corbin Carroll would hit an RBI single to make it 4-1. The Diamondbacks would score three more in the eighth, two more in the ninth, and Arizona would win nine to one, tying the series at one. Again, close game going into the seventh, one run game. Yep. And then when you're all done, eight runs come across in those last few innings, you know, seven runs. And so Merrill Kelly pitched seven innings and gave up one run on three hits with nine Ks. How important was that for Arizona? Yeah, huge, right? Their bullpen gets saved um, after a long game, number one. They had the off day today. They're going to be back at it uh, Monday night. And a uh, heck of a pick pitching matchup in that one, too. Yeah, you got Max Scherzer. And again, he didn't look too good against Houston. Uh, get, he, uh, you know, We talked about how he came back from being on the IL but having no rehab, really. So basically his rehab is postseason games. You know, That's where mm -hmm. he's trying to get back into it. And he's taking on Brandon uh, Fott, who has, you know, we, we were like, who is this guy in September? And, and, and he has absolutely run the table in September and the postseason, just looking phenomenal. Um, three games now in Arizona, uh, Dustin, how do you see this playing out in, in the desert? Well, I'm going to stick with what I said. I, I believe Arizona is going to win this thing. Um, unfortunately I'm just betting with my head instead of my heart for once. I think Arizona takes two of the games, and I think uh, they finish it off uh, in Texas uh, in six. That's my prediction. I'm going to go with the Rangers taking two out of three in this one, and the Rangers still taking it in six. Um, but, but like I said, it's been a good postseason, and, and, and hope fans are enjoying it as much as we are. Absolutely. That's a wrap. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. All of us on the socials, the Facebook, the Twitter, Instagram, we do it all. Also, you can email us, flythew670gmail.com. And you can watch us on YouTube by subscribing to the 670 The Score YouTube channel. Crowley, have a great start to your week, and we will catch up midweek. Absolutely. And again, um, thoughts and prayers to Dorothy's family. And thank you, everybody, for the kind words on Twitter today. And go Cubs! It's all over. <laughs>